0: You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Welcome to The Devoted Podcast. So glad you guys are joining us from wherever you're listening from. Man, I got a note today from someone in Australia. So if that's you, I just love that. It was so fun to actually hear from people that are out there that we we get to talk to. Today is going to be gals, because I am joined by Joey Metter today, and I'm going to let him tell you who he is and all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you where I want to go with this a little bit. We're going to talk about worship today and specifically, does our theology in worship matter? This is kind of a big issue today. We love our worship music. We love, obviously, the expression that is to be able to worship God. But we want to actually even think intelligently about that as well. So I've asked Joey to come on and just kind of give us his feedback on where he is and, like, kind of the stance that we take. So, Joey, thank you. Hi, Amy. It's so weird, right?
1: I devoted everyone.
0: Devoted everyone. Here we are. <laughs> so, Joey, tell us who you are. Tell us what your role is at ATHE and all that good
1: stuff. My name is Joey Metter. I'm the worship director here at ATHE Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon, as some of you might know. I'm married to the Mackenzie. Elise, who's met her. fantastic! Oh, she's the best. She is the best. And we've been married for two and a half years and changed now. It's been great. Loved that. We got married just pre-COVID, before COVID, BC, and like squeaked it in and then the whole thing happened. So that's been awesome. But I've been the worship director, get back on track, worship director for a couple years now, and then on staff at athe as a worship leader and a couple other things for more than eleven years now, eleven and a half years. And that has just been so much fun. Truly the honor of of my life has been to to lead the church in that way and to be used in that way. And I pray the Lord continues to use Athey and this ministry and all all of Athey's ministries more, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's been amazing. So Obviously, if I want to talk about worship music, I'm going to go to somebody that does worship music all ton. time. So here we go. But I do think we talk about so much of the worship experience these mm. days. There is an experience to worship. So let's maybe back up first and let's talk about why do we worship at all? Biblically, why do we meet the Lord in that way? And what should it look like, biblically speaking?
1: That's a great question. So for every everything that we see in the Bible, there's generally three things that we look to to confirm those things. And Gabe Carter, who was on the last, the last episode previously, confirming scripture in the Bible. But those three things are, do we see Jesus do it? Do we see it in the New Testament church acts and the letters to the churches, but also do we see it pictured in the old Testament, right? Hmm. So whether that's communion, you have Jesus Luke 22 saying, Hey, this is my body. This is the bread. This is my blood eat drink. Right. And we see that confirmed in the letters to the church. We see that pictured in the old Testament through so many different things, right? Worship music or worshiping the Lord with music is something that we That's something that my dad always makes a great point in that we shouldn't be majoring on some of the minor things. So worship is just an act of praise to the Lord. Oftentimes that's associated with music. And I think that that correlation is made just because it is super easy to praise the Lord with worship, to take time and pause and sing or play if you're an Mm -hmm. instrumentalist, as opposed to like when people say that you can praise the Lord in raking leaves. (laughs) And doing whatever, you know what I mean? Like some people use super broad examples. And while that's very true, it can be very tough to get in the mindset of, you know, raking leaves for the Lord. (laughs) That can look like, you know, me raking your leaves to bless you. You know what I'm saying? So that's a little bit harder to do than to say, okay, I'm going to pause. I'm going to reflect on the words of something like amazing grace or, you know, in Christ alone. I'm going to reflect on those words and basically make those prayers my own and say those. Lift us up to the Lord. Jesus sang one time. He sang five psalms in the upper room. Speaking of Luke 22. And so we see Jesus do it. We see all over in the the Old Testament and obviously the psalms. But then in just about (laughs) when almost anything good happens, people are singing in the Mm -hmm, Old Testament. mm -hmm. But then it's it is tougher to make a case as far as the majors go of worshiping in the New Testament church, which is why we spend at athe a lot of time focused on the word. Mm-hmm. We don't want to major on the minors. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very easy to get emotionally wrapped up in music. You know, yeah. music yeah. Is, is an emotional thing. My argument is all music is soul music. You know, it's not just a specific thing. All music affects your soul in one way or the other. So, which kind of gets back to it's very easy or it can be very easy to worship the Lord with music.
0: Well, I think that's a a great point. And I love that you're pointing out that it is the major versus the minor, right? And we do tend to get a little bit more and highlight the things that we maybe feel more of an emotional expression to and spend more time with that. So I think we have seen the modern day church do that. But I love that you brought up the Old Testament and with the Psalms because you do see David be very expressive, right? So it's not like you can make the case that uh, there is no place for emotion and that almost, I don't want to give the experience word because I, maybe we'll talk about that in a minute, but just the emotionalism that we have as we are worshiping the Lord.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when you're talking about emotion or feelings, Mm -hmm. that can be one of those things where there's some red flags for me. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Sure. That's a bit of a tender spot for me. (laughs) When you're talking about emotions and worship. And if I could get into the word a little bit. I would love that. I've been going through Genesis recently and in Genesis 27, Isaac is kind of at the tail end of his experience here on earth. <laughs> and then Jacob and Isaac, you guys might know that story of their relationship where previously Jacob steals the birthright in a way, tricks Esau into giving Jacob, his birthright, right? If you remember that. In Genesis 27, you get to where Isaac is looking to, not the birthright, but give Esau the blessing. There's Mm -hmm. two things, the birthright and the blessing. And those are both like sought after things, back, especially in the Old Testament, right? Isaac tasks Esau with going out and getting some venison, some deer and making a soup. And then when you bring me that soup, I'm going to bless you, Isaac says to Esau. And then the story goes that Rebekah, Isaac's wife says, hey, Jacob, come on over here. Let's steal. Let's trick Mm -hmm. Isaac into giving you the blessing. The Bible calls Jacob a smooth man, which is a little bit of a bummer to be called a smooth man, you know, (laughs) but Esau was a man of the field is what it says. So Rebecca, a wise woman was like, hey, we got to sell this thing. So here, put on Esau's jacket. Your arms are really smooth. Put on these goat skins. And here I made the soup that your dad really likes. So here it is. Take it to Isaac. And then again, Genesis 27, verse 18, it says that Jacob came to his father and said, Hey, my father. And then Isaac said, Here I am. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said, It's I. I'm Esau, your firstborn. And Isaac said, How be it that thou hast found this so quickly? Like, how'd you get that soup so fast Mm -hmm. is what he asked. And then he replies, Because the Lord God hath brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, okay, come near, I pray, that I might feel you, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, thy voice is Jacob's voice, but your hands are the hand of Esau. And so he goes on in the story and it kind of talks about how he, he says, okay, come closer. And he smells him. He's like, oh, you smell like Esau. And then he tastes the soup and is like, oh, yep, this is the soup that I like. And so if I'm going to make it get back into the emotion kind of thing, Isaac went by what he felt mm. rather than the word that he heard. Mm-hmm. He went by the feeling of, of how things felt, you know, and, and I might be reaching here for this, this example. But the fact is, is he heard the words of Jacob and knew that that was Jacob. But he said, no, nah, you feel correct. Mm. This feels Right. And whenever we're going into like how we feel as opposed to the what the word says, that's where we should proceed with caution. Yes. And so anything musical, it is emotion. It is emotional. Again, kind of getting back to that, it's soul music. And so if we're leaning into just what sounds good Mm -hmm. or what feels good, is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're kind of talking about sort of this balance. I, I, I want to read a quote that I read, and I've talked about this recently on the podcast. This is a quote by R.C. Sproul. We've talked about this, guys. Yes, I disagree with him on some issues, but he is a scholar. But he said this about worship. He says, if we have a clear understanding of the majesty of God, the beauty of his holiness and glory, our heart should be on fire to express that with joy, worship and adoration. Emotion is not a bad thing in worship, in fact, it's a good thing. But if the mind is bypassed and there is no understanding, then you are talking about emotionalism and not just simple passion or emotion. And then he says, we have seen a serious departure of the gravity of sacred worship in our day, whereby people's minds are almost removed from the process. And I think that will be detrimental to us in the long haul. And I think that's an interesting caution that he gives. And some of this maybe speaks into what people perceive as stylistic differences in in the way we do that. But it's sort of that balance of what you're talking about is there is an emotion to worship as rightly we would be in awe of who God is. And and the better and the more we understand who God is, there's going to be a response from that. Mm -hmm. But you can't empty the mind. You can't take that part out of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and genres can change and styles can change, but the truth should not change. Mm-hmm. And someone said that, uh, I forget who it was, but they said that heresy can be summed up to adding to the Bible or taking away mm-hmm. from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to venture into like your own personal opinions about whether that's a depiction of God or how the Spirit moves, that's getting into dangerous ground without pointing to anything like super specific, mm-hmm. leaning into the emotional side of things as opposed to kind of using like the bowling bumper lanes mm-hmm. of truth, keeping you within inside what we would call like the pale of orthodoxy and, and what the word says. That's the safe place to be in, you know, because, again, that's how cults start, Amy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, and if I think we can look at the scripture in the New Testament, th- when Jesus says that, that we will worship in spirit mm-hmm. and in truth. Yes. It's so like the perfect,
1: perfect way there. of
0: putting that together. Great right? point.
1: Great point. And again, like it all goes with balance, right? In that truth, 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 truth. So first and second Timothy is like the stickler for doctrines playbook. Like it's such a good... Guide of how to maybe even like operate in a in a church setting But also in terms of like how to deal with issues in the church and but theology doctrine like doctrine and theology sticking to your guns mm-hmm. Both first Timothy and second Timothy And then also Titus Paul talks to these two guys Timothy and Titus about doctrine 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 but then so like what you're saying in spirit and in truth, but then with truth we need to balance truth with love. Because if you remember in Revelation, chapter two and chapter three, when it's talking to the early church, the letters to the church, specifically the church of Ephesus, you'll remember that Ephesus was charged with, they said, hey, you guys are doing great with your theology. Your doctrine is solid. But the one thing that I hold against you, the Lord says, is that you have left your first love. Mm -hmm. And that is to say that they're like testing people. like the idea is like with like a literal written test and that is approved. God is like, that's awesome. You're being sticklers for doctrine, but you're not balancing that with love. So the pastor of the church of Ephesus was Timothy. And in first and second Timothy, you do not see a ton of love in that directive from Paul. You do see him charged massively charged with being a stickler for doctrine. So worship in spirit and in truth and balance that, corrective nature with love. So again, we're not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater on some things when it comes to, I don't like how they played the drums on that song. Mm -hmm. Right. So if it's like a Likert scale, like a linear scale from zero to 10, right. 10 is like, throw it out. Zero is like, let's do it. I love that song. Right. If you don't like the drums, that's in the more like, okay, we can work with this, you know, but if you're saying in something that has to do with Jesus's personhood, Saying, you know, he's not holy. That's like, eh, you know, pull the lever, trap door, it's out of here, you know. But again, doing all that, balancing it with truth and love, worshiping in spirit, but also in truth, is that's such a fine line to walk.
0: I find that I don't think we give enough credence to the idea of the fact that we are supposed to think through our worship a little bit. It's not meant to just be mindlessly going through it. And and I can say this in uh, my own experience, you know, say you go to a church that is not your church, you're yeah. visiting somewhere and, you know, probably style of worship is going to be different.
1: You're at an away game.
0: Totally. And I have so found myself in that place that it's like I can come in almost not trying to be critical, but it's like well, this isn't how worship's done where I do it. And this doesn't feel worshipful to me. And man, that's not right either. Because we're supposed to use our mind, right? That's going into worship as if you're going to be led by the experience of it as opposed to being led by, no, I'm here to actually think through these lyrics and actually be worshiping God. Yeah.
1: That's not worshiping in spirit in terms right. of you're not into it because they're only using an organ or right. a piano. I can't <laughs> possibly. What? I'm out. Yeah. Check, please. Yeah. 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 Not at all. That's a great point. Like, And that's getting into, we need to be approving of the things that are excellent. Like, hey, they're using a piano. I'd love electric guitars and I don't see anything with six strings up there, but I need, they're singing songs that are true. They're singing Psalm 17. They're singing right out of the Bible or looking to approve the things that are excellent. Mm -hmm. So that's worshiping in spirit and in truth, balanced with love. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you have become a worship director during a time of, man, worship's kind of the thing. There has been a worship movement, I would say. I don't know. You could probably inform me better last five, 10 years, but- you know, we've got the Bethel movement. We've got, you know, we've got major worships. Like, that's like your entire what I think people listen to Christian radio still. I don't know. I'm always yes. on Spotify. Or I'm, I'm a
1: Spotify Apple Music guy.
0: I know, but yeah. it's typically worship <laughs> stuff. It's <laughs> yes, not necessarily yeah. just an album anymore that's apart from that, if that makes sense. So, that might be an interesting question, too. Like, what role has even the commercialization of worship taken? That's in- been
1: funny. Shameless plug here. We, came out with a full-length record, athe Music. It's called Goodness and Mercy. And it's maybe people might think, well, are you guys just trying to get a piece of the pie? What is going on? And my answer to that is always, no. Like, we are a not-for-profit organization. Like, we are not mm-hmm. like an LLC mm-hmm. looking to, you know, make it big or whatever. We are just looking to provide the church, specifically Athe Creek, with music to listen to on, on the drive-to church or whatever mm-hmm. on the weekdays. If you're worshiping with us on the weekends and you want to work worship with us on the weekdays, sweet. Bam, there it is. goodness and mercy. And so the, but the commercialization of it has been really really interesting to watch. Over yeah, you're totally right. Over the last like 10 years when like the transition between when physical CDs were sold, like when I think of like things like The Organization, The Passion or bands like Delirious and Chris Tomlin versus people that have transitioned to digital media and the incorporation of CCLI so CCLI is by no means an evil organization or anything like that that is called the church copyright and licensing organization and what they do really really well is they aid in equipping the church specifically the musicians and worship leaders with access to resources whether that's chord charts accurate chord charts directly from the artists and all that stuff but in terms of licensing oh gosh people are probably going to fall asleep right now but if you Amy McReynolds get huge and i want to at my small, mid-sized, large church want to sing your songs, at what point does it infringe on licensing agreements? Mm, mm -hmm. If I'm playing this for a church, broadcasted or whatever, at what point should you get royalties from me singing your song? It's an interesting question to think about. There is a point where you do start to talk about musicians that are starving and you're like, they're just trying to make it, you know, kind of thing. Versus like the greed aspect of like people wanting to get their piece of the pie. I tend to want to err on the side of graciousness and saying, man, this song, whether that's Great Are You, Lord, by All Sons and Daughters, or something like 10,000 Reasons by Matt Redmond, things that have been on like the top 10 list for like seven or eight years. yeah, Those have aided the church and been tools positively for the church for a long time. Like, would you agree with that? Mm-hmm, yeah. And so at what point should you say, you know, we should give him five bucks.
0: <laughs> right. You know what right, I'm saying? Sure.
1: Like, and you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, we Athey Creek should give him five bucks. But it basically comes down to if you're a church of a certain size, you do need to register for CCLI if you want to use their songs, publicly mm-hmm, speaking, mm-hmm. which... I Dude, I have no problem with that at all, especially if you're greater than a certain size and the church is being blessed by those songs of those artists and all that stuff. Hmm. That's awesome. And again, do your own research on this, too. Don't take my word for it. Look into that kind of hmm. thing. It's a deep rabbit hole, but look into it.
0: Talk about something we don't typically think uh, about on the worship go. side. is Publishing really and like, co-pubs. You and know? it's almost like the business side of it, it which it is really interesting.
1: Is. So then, gosh, you're starting to grapple with like a transactional thing, like fiscal responsibilities here that Athe Creek has to people like Allsons and Daughters. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the year, basically, Grady Lord's probably the best example. If Grady Lord was sung, you know, 15 times at athe that means if we sang 100 songs from CCLI and 15 of those were Grady Lord, that means 15 percent of our dues to CCLI of our monthly or yearly payment to them of like a couple hundred bucks would go to Allsons and Daughters. So then they get a piece of of what we are sending to CCLI. And that's fair, in my opinion, because CCLI is equipping the church with core charts, access to those songs, and basically like temporary rights to lead those songs, so to speak. Yep. So... Then people like Austin's and Daughters, not exclusively Leslie Jordan and David Leonard, the authors of that song, but also the publishers of those, whether that's Sparrow Mm. Records and all that stuff, they get the accumulative monies of all of the churches that have sang that song because CCLI distributes those funds my point is some people want to make worship music that makes it big on something like CCLI they want to get their song in your church so that they get a piece of the pie and that gets into greed and all that stuff yeah. where Athe feels compelled to make music and their own music our own music write songs equip the church is because of two things One, if we sing an individual song, a group's song that maybe their theology is really wacko, and we cannot rest easy in leading that song because at the end of the day, that translates to us financially supporting them, Mm -hmm. then we can't, we can't, we just can't do that with a clear conscience, let alone pointing people to that church. In that same token, we feel like if a song has blessed the church, dude, we absolutely should be promoting that song in terms of us using that song, but also, like, financially supporting Supporting that artist, right? Like, it just comes down to, like, a workman is worthy of his wages mm-hmm. kind of deal. Yeah. So,
0: Well, that's interesting for two facts because I think it gives us a little bit behind the curtain on a bit, man, yeah. <laughs> how does this work? What's going on with that? But then also what those dollars mean to what you're pointing at. And, and you already kind of alluded to this a little bit. There are ministries out there that, you know, athe as a church, we have said, man, we're not going to sing songs from this. So let's talk about that a little bit. Because yeah. as we talk about, man, worship being an event and an experience, yeah. I don't know if anybody has capitalized on that, and I don't mean that strictly in the most negative way, but has camped down on that as much as Bethel has.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: let's talk about Bethel a little bit. You know, there's good songs, there's good lyrics in there, but then there's also a church behind that. Where do you guys come down on that?
1: That's a great question, and you gotta. If there's like ever a landmine field right now in the I've worship scene, i just thrown it out there. This for is you. it. There this is go. this is the minesweeper. Of, You're welcome of the worship directors and worship leaders right now. That being said. You're absolutely right. There's kind of like the big three right now, which is Elevation. Okay. Hillsong Worship. Yep. And Bethel. Yeah. And then if you want to dig in deep on any one of those, especially Athe, like all musicians, you're going to find sinners yep. where there's people, there's going to be sin. And you can go to the bank on that. Right. So, so we need to pause the conversation and say, Hey, we're all sinners. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And so where you're going to find people, you're going to find sin. Yep. That being said, the Lord praise the Lord that redemption is found in him and he can use the weak and the foolish things like us. And he is using a lot of the things that a lot of these churches are doing, but specifically mm-hmm. Hillsong Elevation and Bethel. With Hillsong and Elevation, what can give people pause are certain what we would call in-house debates on whether or not their theology lines up with what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Something like Kingdom Now Theology, which is a huge staple of Hillsong and I believe Elevation Worship as well.
0: So uh, give us that in a snippet so oh people goodness. know. what. And I don't I know if that's a really <laughs> yeah. big one. But if you were to give me Kingdom Now Theology. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So we take at Athe, we take the Bible very literally when it comes to the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And Revelation's not a hard book to understand if you take it literally and chronologically, right? The first part is uh, just speaking of where the church was. And then the next part of where the church will be and then where the church is going after that, right? Revelation 1 through 5 of the kind of letters to the church and the rapture of the church leather. And then six through 19 is the tribulation. And then 20 through 22 is us in heaven, millennial kingdom. Awesome. It's great. That's how we interpret the Bible, uh, specifically the book of revelation, a kingdom now theology or dominion theology is another name for it. They take that as more of like an allegorical story as opposed to a literal, this is what's going to happen. What that translates to, like the Tetris blocks that you're handed, if that's what you believe, like you're left with making a shape that leads to kingdom now theology. What that means is their goal is to usher the kingdom into earth. And okay, a lot of this can sound really great. Oh, that sounds awesome. Who wouldn't want to usher the kingdom Sure. That's not what we believe the, the book of Revelation says. So it basically is that we need to make earth great is a super summary of, of what it is. And what that consists of is converting people to becoming Christians, which yes, that sounds awesome. Yep. But the Lord will come back when we've done enough. Like it yeah. puts it on it us. It puts it on us. Correct. Right. Which is yeah. like, uh, what? Yeah. Not only does revelation, that's not what we think, but also Jesus would say otherwise mm. in a couple different examples. But yeah. So then that's why you're seeing things like Justin Bieber, the Biebs. Has Justin Bieber been brought up on your podcast yet? I don't
0: know that he's ever- Is this the first one? I think this is going to be the first Justin Bieber
1: reference. (laughs) That's why, or like Kanye West or the Kardashians, whoever, when they're seen at Hillsong in New York Mm -hmm. to Kingdom Now theologists, that's like, dude, Hmm. it's happening. We're getting people like Justin Bieber being able to convert all these people. And dude, we are getting closer. The world's getting better. And so whereas we're like, no, dude, we live in a fallen state. It's going to get worse, 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 worse. Yeah. That's what we believe. That's a dark, you know, very gray, you know, the clouds are glooming.
0: No, but the reason I wanted you to bring that up and just kind of draw that distinction, because I think understanding that, like you said, in-house debate on those particular things. The these... theolo-
1: the theological, is that the way to say that? <laughs> the way to say it theologically is that is a non-essential doctrine. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So that's why we can say, okay, in-house debate should be a friendly discussion. But at the same time, I think having an understanding of where they're coming from, from that standpoint, and it definitely tells you, you could probably listen to their songs a little bit and go, "Oh." oh, yeah. I can hear this. I it's can like hear, watching a movie mm, with a
1: twist, and then now you know the twist. When you watch the movie again, it changes the yeah, whole perspective. Yeah,
0: so I think it's helpful to understand that. So there's one distinction. There is the, uh, where you're saying Elevation and Hillsong, kind of in this camp of, we have some in-house debates on, and we definitely don't see, you know, doctrinally eye-to-eye on some things like that, but not in an essential mm-hmm. standpoint.
1: We tread with caution, for sure, on some of those, mm-hmm. in that right now it's getting tougher to point people to... Certain churches that do have those major non-essential disputes with Mm -hmm. us, right? Because hopefully we're all playing on the same team. There's even right now, there's some controversy with Hillsong with certain, let's call it moral failures that they've had. Yeah. And then some where it gets into like certain felonies. Yeah. Again, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But at what point are you obviously affecting a lot of people in terms of like, you know, their well-being with some of these accounts. But at what point are you directing these people wrong theologically? That's a tougher call to make with with certain non-essential doctrine houses, so to speak. But then to get back on topic, with Bethel, if there's a line, Amy... (laughs) If there's a line, they have crossed it. They've crossed it.
0: (laughs) So tell us how so. When you think about Bethel, what is the line there?
1: That's a good thing. So I I brought some homework. Perfect. If you want, there's a lot more points to make as far as these things. But when it comes to the Bethel thing, there's a few things that are non-essential doctrines that are just weird, Mm -hmm. such as grave soaking. That's weird. Or, if you guys
0: don't know what we're talking I'll about, this is a it. this is a real thing.
1: Look into it. Yeah. Um, or don't look into it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, uh,
1: or like the gold dust that is pretty well known that that's a thing they do. That's a non-essential doctrine.
0: Yeah. And again, what Joey's referring to, if you've ever heard of Bethel, they would do big, I, I don't even want to call it like a concert. It was more like a worship experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They would probably, and there would be, you know, gold dust. You'd, yeah. Commonly that,
1: referred to as the glory cloud. The glory cloud. Yeah. That's gold dust from Michael's. Like the craft store.
0: Okay, did y'all get that? It's actually from the craft store. I'm not trying to sound like super jaded, but you also need at the same time need to see through some of these things for what they are. With worship, is it truly worshiping the Lord or are we imposing something that we're just putting on there to add to an experience?
1: Yeah, and there is a point where what the Bible would say, to the pure, all things are pure. Like some people are there just because they are a new believer. They're there to yeah. meet the Lord. And they're, oh, hey, that music sounded great. Yep. It felt great. Mm-hmm. And hey, you know, I pray that the Lord guides them in truth. Yeah, But the, again, if you're handed the Tetris blocks and you lay it down in a certain way, there's a point where the blocks, they don't fit together anymore. Mm-hmm. With certain theology, when it comes to essential doctrine, Bethel has crossed the line with, Two things. One thing, especially the Bible, how they interpret the Bible is, let's say, questionable at the very least. But especially how they view Jesus and Mm -hmm. Jesus in his deity, that's where it does get into a central doctrine. So if I could, they say that his deity, Jesus needed to empty himself of his deity in order to fulfill what he was called to do that's a false doctrine that's a doctrine called the kenosis doctrine if you wanted to like look into that what's kind of funny is like a lot of this stuff it's like wait that actually happened this year at this time you know in the last like mm-hmm. two thousand years mm-hmm. it's pretty funny how it's like that's already been a heresy that's been yep. fleshed out not new correct that kenosis doctrine has already been we've already ran that race mm-hmm. so they're starting to get that race going again so for example in Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson's the senior pastor of Bethel and he's kind of like in that CEO spot of where Bethel is theologically. He wrote a book called When Heaven Invades Earth. That's kind of where he lays out his doctrine and what he believes. Mm-hmm. And on page 138, see I brought references. See? <laughs> he said, quote, "For us to become all that God intended, we must remember that Jesus's life was a model of what mankind could become if it were in the right relationship to the father, end quote. Let me continue. Quote, the outpouring of the spirit comes to anoint the church with the same Christ anointing that rested upon Jesus in his ministry so that we might be imitators of him, mm. end quote. When Heaven Invades Earth, page 138. Mm -hmm. So what that's saying, essentially, is that we could do everything that Jesus did because Jesus was a man. Again, it's saying that if you are good enough, Amy, if you have enough faith, you are as good as Jesus. Let Mm -hmm. me continue. So that's from that book. But in a sermon that was given on August 15th, 2010, he said, quote, Jesus had to be born again because he became sin. Now, real quick he means that he became sinful is what he is saying. He continues, quote, He performed miracles, wonders, and signs as a man in right relationship to God, but not as God. Mm. If he performed miracles because he was God, then we would not be able to, it would be unattainable for us. End quote. Again, August 15th, 2010. Mm. So the issues that we the Christian church would take issues with this as far as a central doctrine goes is that Jesus was God. He was fully God. He was fully man. What Bethel is saying is that you too, if you have enough faith, you can do everything that Jesus did, and you are just at the same level mm-hmm. as Jesus.
0: Which and and you see that then through throughout their ministry because they very much express the supernatural. Like mm-hmm. that's they put a real paramount on that piece.
1: Yeah. It gets into like they believe that Jesus was not unique in terms of his deity from day one, they believe that the Lord chose to use Jesus, Yep. if that makes sense, yeah. which the Lord can use you and me. Mm-hmm. But then he's also saying, oh, he also chose to use Jesus. Again, it brings it from like the, the top of the food chain, Jesus, to kind of just another guy.
0: Yep. So this is helpful because what we're seeing then is, you know, we've given two different camps here and you've got, you know, Hillsong and Elevation that Different in-house debate, but this is the distinction between something that is actually a doctrinal, like outside of doctrine, because they are diminishing who Jesus is. And that's the line in the sand.
1: That's exactly. And when that line is clearly crossed and crossed on a somewhat regular basis, it's at that point that we cannot point to them. Mm-hmm. And what I mean to say is, Athey Creek, Athee Music, me as a worship leader, I do not want to promote their music by playing it, B goodness gracious, probably I get three or four emails a week, every week, and I love answering them. But it's the classic, hey, what was that song you sang mm-hmm. this last weekend? Right. And if you have any of those questions, feel free to email me, joey at Yeah. Times is always available. <laughs> so so when I'm emailed those, I, I'm stoked because then I get to say, hey, that is a song yeah. from, you know, 1930s from this guy, or that's a song from All Sons and Daughters, or that's a song that we wrote. If I say, hey, that's a Bethel song. That is pointing to Bethel. And what's such a sad thing is there's been a few people too specifically that have, they've gone down and made what it kind of feels like they're making a pilgrimage down to Bethel. Hmm. They'll go down there, come back and say, you know, I actually was never saved here. And it wasn't until I went down and subscribed to that theology that I was saved. And now I'm saved as in you are not saved. Not yet. And, and too, so it's like, whoa, like that's getting into heresy, A, but B, like weird cult level stuff.
0: Yeah. But this is hard in people's minds a lot of times because worship is a big deal. We love our songs. Mm-hmm. And people can be like, but I've read all the lyrics of this Bethel song mm-hmm. and I don't see anything biblically outside. I'm, I'm being a little devil's advocate here, but what is the pushback? What What would be your response to that pushback of like, man, this song is great. And it points people to Jesus in, in this song. Mm-hmm. Why not?
1: That's always a good question. So, again, we're kind of getting back to the story there with Jacob and Isaac and Mm. the feel thing. If the song feels great, is it? Yeah. Are you pointing? Is that true? Is that truth? Is that a bedrock song? So, and again, I have to kind of speak my biases here. Because Bethel has some of the absolute best sounding stuff. They're at the top of the food chain, in my opinion, when it comes to the production side of their music, like Mm -hmm. guitar tones, dude, check. That sounds amazing. Drums, huge. Vocals, great. Melody, even like Mm -hmm. is some of the stuff they're doing is brilliant and Mm -hmm. and super like emotionally evoking. Mm -hmm. But then it's like that movie that has a twist in it when you then know what the twist is you watch the movie again it changes the whole movie mm-hmm. when you find out that they are saying like like would the spirit come into my life or anything about the spirit or presence there's a few buzzwords yeah. like glory presence spirit they're referring to something that you and I would not, are not referring to, right? Like when I say north, I mean, I'm going to point to north right now. Though. Yeah. I mean north. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you could be pointing to like 60 degrees, like north by northeast. You're like, no, 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 that's north. And you're going to walk north now. So wait, are we walking north, north or we're walking your north, right? Yeah. So yeah. when they say the presence, they're not referring to acts, like the presence of the, of the Lord, the Holy Spirit coming down. Making Manifest, you know, Fire on the Head. They're, they're referring to like us, you and I, attaining Jesus-level stuff. Hmm. So, again, the movie with a twist. Anytime they're saying those kind yeah. of things, look at the context of what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And it should be a little alarming. But here's a little bit of like the asterisk that comes along with it. There are certain songs that like I've grappled with. Should we do this song? Should we not do this song? Because, man, that song sounds pretty solid. Lion and the Lamb was done by a guy named Leland, Leland Mooring, Mm -hmm. under the production of Bethel. So, like, from our perspective, it's like, that's a Bethel song, right? Right. Side note, Leland has kind of distanced himself from Bethel because of Mm. a lot of these things. But that song, Lion and the Lamb... I love that song. There's a sick guitar part in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I mean, that's Revelation chapter five, right. basically lion and the lamb, tribe of Judah, he's coming for us. Let's go. But then again, there's a, an association factor that we have to factor in, factor in because the very next song on the record, so to speak, will be a song that's like heavily influenced by the, the quote, the presence of the Lord and the manifesting of the Holy Spirit.
0: But again, defining those terms because of the doctrine that is informing them differently than we would say both of those words. I think that's the confusion sometimes, because Mm -hmm. like you said, it's something that you, we understand those words to mean a certain thing. And we can point maybe even chapter and verse to where they mean but they are coming in from a different place.
1: We're talking about two different Norths yeah, here. Yeah. Two different spirits. that we're yeah. talk, Jesus. We're talking about a different Jesus. Mm-hmm. We believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man. They believe that Jesus was fully man and the spirit came upon him. Mm-hmm. Just as he, the spirit does come upon you and I.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess what is because some people might be listening to this going, okay, great, you're ruining all my favorite worship songs. That's my whole playlist. <laughs> or... Some people may say, well, that's fine that that's what they mean. But when I sing that song, I'm understanding rightly biblically what that looks like. And so maybe sometimes those questions come from a place of or is there a distinction between your job is as the leader of worship and how that's directed to the church corporately is there a distinction between maybe what your decisions are and then what a a person who's, you know, humming along in their car?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple things there. Like (laughs) your one question, I'm like, that's like five questions. Cool. Um, Unpackable. (laughs) Here we go. So let me say this. There's kind of hearkening back to what I was saying earlier, where it's like to the pure, all things are pure. And what I mean to say is if your friend is listening to Bethel, but they have rock solid theology and they're just not in a negative way, but just ignorant of, These things concerning Bethel or any church that's kind of wacko, you know, hey, pray, ask for some discernment on whether or not you kind of drop the some of these truth bombs on them. Hey, this church is wacko. And then it ruins the song for them, you know. So at some point you need to work at your just as you work your own salvation out with fear and trembling, you kind of need to work your own playlists out with fear and trembling, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And then, again, kind of hearkening back to, like, the CCLI, the behind-the-curtain, the business side of things, there does come a point where you are financially supporting that sure. group or ministry. So yep. I'll let you guys and let you gals weigh that carefully within mm-hmm. your own heart. So then you also asked, what, where do I fit in, Joey, as the worship director at Eighth Creek or as a worship director at your church or wherever, I think that, and granted, we've been talking now, like I'm talking and I should be singing. I think, was it Charles Haddon Spurgeon that said the the, the teachers need to quit singing and the singers <laughs> need to quit teaching, right? Yep. Or, or some, someone said yep, that. something but like that. I guess. Bottom I line what you is mean. that's just so true. Mm-hmm. John Cooper, a guy from the band Skillet, he nails this when he says that so many young people Get their theology from Spotify, from, yeah. from the playlist that they're listening to, from the artists that they're listening to. That's an extremely true statement. If you're getting your theology exclusively from music, you are rolling the dice every time. You're playing heads or tails every time. There are certain songs that we can point to that are super biblical, that are you know, verbatim a psalm, and that is awesome. Let's get our theology from that song. Because you're getting your theology from the Bible. Mm-hmm. But again, the tail can wag the dog really quick. If you're saying, oh, sweet, let's get it from the song. What you actually should be saying is, is this song getting it from the Bible? Right. Right. And so you need to get your theology from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then as a worship leader, I need to work out my set list with Fear and Trembling. When I mean set list, what songs I'm playing on the weekend. Mm-hmm. What can I back up every line? of these songs. We just had a discussion on this as a as a worship team with a specific song where what is it what's the line? You gave me your eyes, you gave me your heart and your heart beats in my chest. That's what it is. Okay. The line is and your heart beats in my chest. So now are we talking about like like a literal like, yeah. like there was like some surgery that happened and now or what are they trying to say by saying and your heart beats in my chest? And if you're asking me to defend that song, My response is, we should be men and women that are after God's own heart, as in our hearts should be aligned with God's heart. God's heart beats in our chest. Mm. You know, again, it's getting into, like, if you're going to be critical of that, you also need to not say things like, I feel it in my heart or Mm -hmm. the sun's set. Because the sun doesn't literally set. It revolves around the earth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) at some point, you're breaking down, like, the English language and how we're depicting certain things, you know? So, I can stand by... Things like it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Like, I can stand by those things. I can't stand by things where it's a song that doesn't say Jesus or a song that's clearly not pointing to God. What I mean to say is a song that, if you say that is a worship song, but then you show it to someone and say, Hey, this is about someone's boyfriend, and then they put it could play be song, yeah. and They interchanged. And then they're like, Oh, no, yeah, that, that's a boyfriend's. That's, yeah, what is yeah. this about? Which boyfriend's this about? It's like, actually, that's supposed to be about God. And it's not. Like, it's a bummer when that happens. Like, there's an example of a song called Come Away With Me by Jesus Culture. Again, sick guitar part, (laughs) amazing, right? But it doesn't really say Jesus or it says, Come Away With Me. It's going to be wild. I have a plan for you. But then again, like, that's almost sounding like a serial killer. Like, Come Away With Me. (laughs) I have a plan for you. But, But if it's something like, if we're going to go back to like an older Matt Redman song, let my words be few And in a limo. Jesus, I am so in love with you. Mm-hmm. If you take out Jesus, I'll let my words be few. I am so in love with you. That's a great Valentine's Day card. Right. Right. <laughs> like Ken's is going to get that written down and I'm going to hear you, babe. I love you. But the fact of the matter is it's just so clear that you can't get through that song thinking that it is about anyone other than Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As it relates to us, as it relates to the church, as it relates to you and God. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever leading a song from the pulpit on a weekend or, or at a Bible study or whatever, that can be replaced with like, you know, a girl you like, a boy you like or whatever. That to me is not what I would call a corporately applicable song Mm -hmm. it's not a song i'd lead at church it might be a song for the weekday but it's not a song for the weekend yeah you know what i mean yeah
0: i mean if it sounds like we're well you're you're, maybe you're thinking like seriously y'all just overthink every single lyric and i want to almost say yeah kind of
1: yeah absolutely and
0: some people would be critical of that but if i could go back to what we started with the conversation of we're balancing things with spirit and truth there is that emotion that is absolutely going to exist within worship Mm But you have to be led by the truth in your brain. You know, the mind is not absent. When you hear these things about mindfulness and taking your, emptying your mind of things, that's all new age kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. We need to be actually thinking through these things. And the Lord gave us a mind to actually do that. So I know it sounds, maybe it's even laborious to go, oh my goodness, would you really think through these? But I, I wonder how much we do need to be more careful about what that should look like. You know, reminder not that this is where all worship music is, but we probably need to keep in check that Lucifer, as a fallen angel, he's a musician. He was a musician. Fallen angel.
1: (laughs) So, and the thing that music
0: does with us is it does definitely, it kind of brings us into that place of the emotion and going with feeling. The other thing I want to say, and you can tack onto this if you want, but if you are listening to this and you're just like getting really defensive of like, hey, you're messing with my music right now. Yeah. I really love my music. <laughs> the thing you got to think about is, is that leading with feeling? Because at the end of the day, we we don't want to cling to our music. We want to cling to what God's word says. It's the truth. Preach yeah. it. Mm.
1: That's right. That's 100% true. And so you're like, okay, then who do I listen to? You know, that's yeah. what led Athe to, to write our own music Mm -hmm. out of things that are just the Bible. Like a lot of the stuff that we're writing is from the word, like father is a song and it's verbatim Isaiah 49. And so, yeah, we do go through every line. And if it doesn't hold up, like if it doesn't, if it's, if I can't explain it or point to it, theologically speaking, like, man, we heavily consider not, playing that song and oftentimes we don't. Mm-hmm. In fact, I can't think of a time where we've ever had a conversation. Ah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can defend that tooth and nail then if it's just if, don't. yes, yeah. correct. Then we then we do throw it out and that stinks because there are certain songs that it's like again, I'm going to privately play that song on a weekday, yeah. but I'm not going to publicly play that song on a weekend if that makes sense. Yeah. It's a little bit of a to who much is given much is required issue, if there's a weight in terms of like leading people and women in the athe women's ministry, the cup, so to speak, can be a cup of trembling in, in that mm. way in that I don't get nervous a whole lot when I'm speaking in front of people or when I'm playing or whatever. But I do get extremely nervous on the guitar when I mess up. Mm. Like if I play a wrong note, it's like uh, there's going to be like four wrong notes after that. Or when I feel like I'm misrepresenting the word. God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, mm-hmm. whenever heresy's in the mix, you will see me sweating bullets. That's something that that I take very, very seriously. And so if you do a little bit of work on the front end, it's going to cover your hind end. Let's just put it that way. And I'd rather do the work beforehand saying, is this song theologically, does it check the boxes versus saying, yeah, probably And then I'll lead it on Sunday Mm -hmm. and then get 50 emails saying, um, in this line, it said that Jesus was a zebra and I don't really see that, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I literally have to answer for that. Yeah. And then if you're going to talk about like, could this cause someone to stumble and walk away from the faith? Yeah, it has. It Mm -hmm. literally has. Mm -hmm. People have gone down to Bethel and said, you know, I'm not a Christian. I wasn't a Christian, but now I know now I've been enlightened. And so it's like, dude, that's a bummer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, clearly, you know, listening to you, you have a far greater responsibility because you're choosing these things to be sung to masses. You know, that's huge. But I wanted to get your take on this stuff because I do think that's just something that we sort of take in. We take in music, we check our playlist, and we don't think about these things so much. I think I've never been so convicted more so than from my uh, youngest kiddo. He was sitting in service one time, and I think he was younger. I'm not real sure why he was in service at this age, but I think he was like fourth or fifth grade. And remember, Pastor Brett said something about a song that had reckless love in it. You'll you tell go. me who the author is. I can't or the artist.
1: That's a Corey Asbury song. Corey Asbury, that's right. To and this he's, day, he's a Bethel guy.
0: Brennan will not listen. If it comes on the radio, we have to turn it immediately because he says, "Mom, God is not reckless." Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that so much out of the mouths of babes because it's it's noticing that's not consistent with God's character, in that God would be reckless with us. That we we know that's not to be true. So you know, no, I'm not asking people to listen to this podcast and just you know. Chuck out all of your music. Maybe some of it should be chucked. I don't know. But I think we need to bring our mind to the game and not just be led with emotion in all of worship and just really be thinking through it and thinking biblically about these things. Joey, I'm going to give you the last word. Where do you want to leave us with this topic of worship and theology and music? What would be your final thoughts?
1: Yeah, man, I would just say to pray. Uh, That sounds like such an oversimplified thing. I will leave you with a quote, though. Do it. I have it written down. It's by A.W. Tozer.
0: Mm, love Tozer. He's,
1: yeah, He's the man. If this new experience does not make us read the word more, it is not of God. Mm. If it does not make us meditate on the truth more, it is not of God. I do not care how good we feel. If we feel so good, we feel brand new, we are still not being blessed by God. It's A.W. Tozer in the Christ-centered church. Mm. And that's just the truth. If yep. what you're talking about doesn't draw you closer to God, but also doesn't draw you closer to the truths that are found in the word, then it's not of God.
0: So then ditch it. Then ditch it. Ditch it. Whether you're picking you the songs in your car just for you or, you know, for the masses like Joey is up on stage. I love that. Joey, thank you so much. Absolutely, for, anytime. for doing this. This was great. I loved it. Thank you for tuning in to the devoted podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at